Good morning. I'm glad you guys are here this morning. This is uh, our third message in our new series called Big Faith. And uh, I just want to touch base on a few quick announcements. If you weren't here last week, last week um, we like to partner as much as we possibly can with just amazing uh, ministries in the community. We like to partner with them financially and with volunteers. And, and this month, one of the things that we are partnering with is the Crisis Pregnancy Center that's right down the road. They do absolutely amazing things. I talked a lot about them last week. Right outside the door to the left, there's a, a table filled with a lot of amazing information about what they do. Um, and w- the thing that we're doing this month is we're taking up baby. Uh, baby bottles, that there should be built, uh, still be some out there unless they ran out last week, and your job is to go home, spend as much money as you can in cash, bring that cash home, take the change out of your pocket, put it in that baby bottle, and support that wonderful ministry. And if you don't have any change, that's totally okay. They're fine if it's filled with 20s on the way back. So I'll let you decide what you want to fill it with, quarters or 20s are your choices. So you guys just make up your mind. It's totally cool, whatever you want to do. So that's something we really want to encourage you to do. If it's your first time here, feel free to jump right in and grab a bottle and fill it with money. We will never turn your money away. Absolutely won't do that because we're church and that's what we do. So I just want to thank you guys for being here this morning. Um, we've got a couple of things I just want to pray about. We've got a lot of our women on a women's retreat um, coming back from the mountains, and the weather's supposed to be iffy today, so if you'll just pray for them. And we've got a group, uh, rather a surprisingly large group of people going to ca- flying back from California. I don't know if you guys remember, about six months ago, we partnered uh, with a group that did the Extreme Weight Loss Show. I don't know if you remember that. There's a large group of our members flying to California for that viewing, so pray for them as they're coming back. Um, and so there's just a lot of people um, going to be dealing with this weather, so we'll just keep them in prayer. And the third thing is um, today's message is one of those messages. There's a lot of great messages in the Bible. And, and there's a lot of them, I think, that are, just, that are just amazing. And you can preach them to 10 people or to 1,000 people or to a million people, and they're just beautiful. Today's message for me has just been really heavy on my heart. It's one of those messages where I just feel like if I could just take each individual family, each individual teenager, each individual marriage, each individual group or person and just sit them down at a kitchen table, cook some food, and have a conversation with them and share this message like this. That's why I feel like the most effective way to share, talk about this message, because this is one of those things, you know, there's a, I, have a, I have a big family. I'm the oldest of five, and, I'm, and, and, and there's a lot of craziness and chaos when you have five children, especially when your first one's me, and you're leading the way for just beautiful obedience. I was the best child in the history of the world. I'm also a liar, so that's what's up. So, uh, and one at a time, there would be mass messages, you know, that, that, that data they would give to all of us, but then sometimes there were some things that were just very, very, very important um, for each individual person, and there would be a sit-down conversation you would have at a restaurant, or you would have at a kitchen table, or you would have right before you get hit with a belt, whatever, whatever the conversation was, and, and he would relay that, or they would relay that one-on-one. To me, that's kind of what one of these messages are today. Um, it's it's kind of part two from last week. It's something that's just very intimate. And so one thing I want you to do this morning is I just would like you, because there's a lot of stuff I'm dealing with Oh, I think we're all dealing with. We've got things in our life. We've got stresses. We've got finances. We've got houses and marriages and kids, and I don't have any kids yet, but we've got all these things that we're dealing with. And so just for a few minutes this morning, I would like you to just block all of that out. And as I pray here, that you would just pray. If you're here with your spouse, you're here with your family, you're a good friend, just grab the person's hand next to you and just pray that, you just, that your mind is just clear, that God just opens up your heart and opens up your mind um, and that turns on the lights 
really bright and blinds you and surprises you, and, and that God would just speak to right to our hearts this morning, that God would, would use me and just clear all my flesh and all my opinion out and just, and just let us just hear from God this morning. And if you guys would just do that this morning for me, that'd be great. Father God, I just want to thank you so much, Lord, just for everything uh, that, that you're doing here in this church. Lord God, I want to thank you, God, just for the amazing opportunities that, uh, that some of the groups that are uh, out in the retreat and out in California, that they've got to take part in this weekend, Lord God, that you would just put your hands on them as they come back. Father, you would just keep them safe, and I hope that they just had an amazing time that, and that uh, everything that you wanted to be done, you know, was, was done, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, for this morning that you would just let your spirit be here. God, I, I've just felt um, that there's just a lot of things in my life, in my personal life, some things going on. I'm in the, in, the, in the church, we're going through some growing pains, we're going through some working, we're going through different things, Lord God, there's a lot of tension, there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of frustration uh, right now, Father God, and I pray, Lord, that you would just let your presence just be in this room this morning, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that, that no matter what happens, no matter what we're going through, no matter what storm is in our life right now, Lord God, the one thing that we need from you this morning, the one thing that we need in general, Lord God, is just your word preached to our hearts, Lord God, and I pray, Father, don't let me get in the way of that, God. I pray, Lord, that you'll just let your spirit rest on me. God, take my flesh completely out of the message this morning, Lord God. Take my thoughts completely out of the message this morning and just let it be your word preached to the depths of their heart and their mind this morning, God. And let your spirit just rest in this house, God. And I pray, Lord, for each individual person, God, marriage and family, Lord God, that you would just, in your own way, in just that miraculous way that you do, Lord God, that you would just speak to our hearts this morning, Lord God, and you would just let your spirit in your presence rest in this place, God. And when we leave today, Lord God, don't let us know that we heard a message from Jordan. Don't let us know that, that we just heard a message of encouragement. God, let us know in our hearts and our minds that we heard a message straight from your mouth, straight from your heart. I pray, Lord God, let that be done this day, God. Thank you for everything in your holy and your precious name. Amen. Now, I know that we all there's all types of different people in the room this morning. There's people that grew up in church, and if you did grow up in church, you grew up in all kinds of different churches. We've got everything from Catholicism to, to Baptist to Pentecostal to Methodist to Presbyterian. We've got a little bit of everything. Uh, there's a lot of people that didn't grow up in church. There's a lot of people that this is some of their first church experiences have happened in the last few months or a few years. And so there's a lot of different people with a lot of different backgrounds. Um, and so I think that, that there's a lot of differences. There's a lot of things that you know, we're not sure about. There's a lot of things Catholics do that, that Baptists don't understand, a lot of things that Baptists do that Catholics don't understand, and there's a lot of things in between. But there's a few things that I think that every church, no matter where you come from or what your background is, there's a few things that, that stay pretty standard in the monks. And one of those things is the things that we're talking about today, um, and that thing is the word, it's obedience, and if you're not from church or you didn't grow up in church, that word obedience can be a pretty, pretty scary thing sometimes. It can be a pretty, especially if, if you're not really sure about this whole church thing, if, if you've just now started to kind of hang around inside of a church and you're just now starting to, to really, you've always known the name of Jesus Christ, but you're just now starting to really, to really get into or be curious about it or to hear it or go after him or follow him and, and ask questions and, and inquire. And, and when you start hearing the words like obey or obedience or submission, I mean, that can be a little bit intimidating. And versus where if you grew up in church, you've heard that pretty much your whole life. You've heard the word obey. You've heard the word submit. You've heard the, you've heard the list of rules and things that you need to obey. And, and I think that we all kind of have a different experience in, 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 in church about this word 
obedience. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about my experience, and maybe some of you uh, can relate. When I first showed up to church and really started taking church serious, what I heard was, and it doesn't mean that this is necessarily what they said all the time. It doesn't mean that, that all churches are like this or that the church that I'm referring to is bad or wrong. I'm just saying that this was kind of my experience with churches, that when you start to go to church, that immediately you are told to obey the rules. I, that's what I felt like when I showed up. It was, okay, now you start going to church. You had your little moment with God, and now I need you to start obeying. I need you to start obeying uh, the commands. I need you to start obeying the rules. I need you to start obeying the decrees. And, and I know that you used to, you used to hang out with, with girls alone, and well, you can't do that anymore. Well, you used to go out and do this, but well, you can't do that anymore. You used to talk like this. You can't go out and do that anymore. You used to think like this. You can't go out and do that anymore. You used to dress like this. You can't go do that anymore. You used to, to do this or do that, and you can't go do those things anymore. And, and so that was what my first real experience was with church. And with a lot of us, I think that we could relate with that. It was, well, you knew that when you you got in church, whether and maybe that's the reason why you stayed away from church all these years, and this is your first time here, and you're just like, it. <laughs> Somebody told me that he preaches encouraging messages, and now he's here preaching about obedience. Well, listen, this is a word that I think that has got a negative rap because of the way that the church as a whole has preached it all these years. I think that a lot of times we miss the first two steps. I think that obedience needs to be preached. I think that it is very powerful. I think that it is very important. I think that Jesus is very, very distinct on, on his idea about obedience and about obeying. But what I think that has happened in the church is I think that we've, we've taught this thing obedience out of order. And that when people show up to our church and we start to tell them that they have to obey or we start to talk about obedience or we start to talk about submission, that we forget that that wasn't the first thing that Jesus talked about. And we forget that there's a lot of people that don't understand the first few steps that are very important in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so when, when we come in and, they, and we are starting to expect somebody that's been following Christ for 50 years to start obeying Christ the same way as somebody that's been following God for five minutes. And so what begins to happen is people start to get to this place where it's all about obedience. It's all about following the rules. It's all about knowing what's up and, and, and living up to that standard that the church has placed on us. And I don't know about you, but I struggled with living up to that standard that the church put on me. I struggled with that. Mostly because I wasn't ready to be in a state of obedience. Because when I go through and I read the New Testament and I read the Bible and I watch the way that Jesus interacted with the disciples, this was what I feel like his initial invitation was. It wasn't to obey. What was his initial invitation? To follow me. He said, here's what I want you to do, guys. I want you to follow me. He didn't walk up to Peter on the boat. He didn't walk up to Matthew, of the tax collector. He didn't walk up to these guys and say, listen, I want you to submit to me right now in this moment and obey me, say that I am God, and, 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 and then follow me after that. He said, Matthew, come and follow me. And you know what his second thing was? Let's go have a party at your house. True story. Read the Bible. It's kind of cool sometimes. When he came up to Peter and he said, listen, he told this story. And, and he was teaching from his boat, and then he performed this miraculous thing. And Peter turned around and said, hey, man, there's something really, really weird and cool about you. Uh, and Jesus said, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. And then as people started to follow Jesus, what started to happen? Everybody that started to follow Jesus, eventually in time, as they followed him, as they watched him, as they heard him teach, as, they, as they, he began to answer some of their questions, and, and they begin to explore, and they begin to see, and they begin to go, and they begin to read, and they, all of a sudden, some of the disciples started to do what? They started to believe. They started to believe that Jesus Christ was who he said he was. 
And so after they started to follow for a certain amount of time, now we don't know, that time can change. There are some people, they're just the, the best Christians in the whole world. They, they don't come to church. They come to church. They have a moment with God, and then they're like little angels for the rest of their life. Now, that wasn't me. I'm going to tell you that right now. All right? I still struggle with stuff. Up to this very day, I still struggle with certain things. But as I started to follow Christ, the more that I followed him, the more that I read his word, the more that I go, the more that I started to believe in him and believe that he was exactly who he said he was. And then, then after I followed him and after I believed, then comes obedience. And see, and that's what happens in the church today is we want people who don't really know Christ to start obeying Christ. And that's an impossibility. It's impossible for someone who doesn't know Christ to obey Christ. And so a lot of times when we start talking about the word obedience or we start talking about the word obey, we have this thing in our hearts, we have this thing in our minds that this is a negative thing, that the word obedience is a negative word, that the word obey is a negative word. I remember it was the worst word in the world when I was a kid because it, the only time the word obey ever came into play was when I wanted to do something that no, we're not going to allow me to do, Right? Nobody, you, no, you never, they never told you anything good and used the word obey. I want you to eat that ice cream. Obey me. That never happened. They bought ice cream. We ate the ice cream. We didn't need permission. We didn't need anybody to tell us. I want you to go to Carowinds this summer every day. Obey me. That didn't happen. That didn't happen, did it? I want you to clean your room. No, obey me. That happened all the time. I mean, no, like, I'm, I mean, think about it. Every time you hear the word obey in your life, most of the time, if not every time, it circles around you doing something or not doing something that you want to do or having to do something that you don't want to do. And so obedience gets a negative rap in our life. At least it has for me. Maybe you guys are a little bit different, but that's how it's been for me. And I think in the church, that's how it's been for a lot of other people is because they get this thing in their heart when they first start showing up to church and they first start getting curious about Christ and they first start following and they're, they're dealing with their faith and their belief in Christ. And then you've got some preacher, you've got some person in the church or you've got some deacon or some elder and all they're doing is obey, obey. Obey, 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 obey. And then here comes my favorite part about it. A lot of times they use fear in order to get you to submit. Well, why do I have to obey? You're going to go to hell forever. What? What's hell? Listen, hell's this place. It's not good. It's fire. Your skin will burn off. You'll never have a drink of water. And it's really horrible and it's really miserable. And if you don't do what I say, you're going to go to hell. Or they'll be like, listen, all these bad things will happen to you if you don't obey what we're saying. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Was I sinning by just hanging out uh, with that young lady by myself? Well, yeah, that was a sin. That was a sin? How, I mean, I don't understand how that was a sin. How, how was that a sin to go out and Well, listen, you just need to obey. And this is what they did. There was nothing wrong with the things that they were saying. There was a lot of wisdom in it. I mean, there is. The older I get, the more I look back. You know what? My dad, pretty smart guy. I didn't think that for about 21 years. All right? But he's a pretty smart guy. They had a lot of... They had a lot of wisdom that I wish that I would listen to when I was a little bit younger. A lot of the same things were going on when I was a teenager. There was all these little rules that I didn't understand. And when I went through the Bible, I didn't see them. I didn't see some of the things that they were saying. Their wisdom. But here's the problem is, is nobody told me the why. Nobody told me the why about obedience. They just expected submission. They just expected obedience. And let me tell you something. I don't know if you have teenagers. I don't have teenagers, but I used to be a teenager. Some people still think I act like a teenager. So I know a lot about teenagers. And here's the thing about teenagers. If you don't explain to us why we have to do what we're going to do, nine times out of ten, they're not going to do it. 
wait, I was, 10 times out of 10, they're not going to do it. Right? If you just come up and, and tell them something and don't give them a very detailed explanation why, they're probably going to smile at you, walk away, and disobey you. And you'll never know the difference. All, your, all the parents are going, he must be talking about all those other kids. You're in denial. Right? All that means is your kid is a whole lot better at hiding it than the other kids. Maybe smarter. No, I'm just kidding. All kids are smart. Your kids are beautiful. There's no such thing as an ugly baby. That's, my, that's my, my little spill about obedience in the church. Because I think a lot of times when you start to actually go through the scriptures and you start to see what Jesus Christ says about obedience, especially the first thing he says about obedience, it's a whole lot different picture than what I think was portrayed to me and maybe was portrayed to you. This is what Jesus says about obedience. This comes right after the Sermon on the Mount. This is one of the first things that Jesus, one of the first sermons that Jesus really preached, and he covered pretty much everything there is to cover in just about every area of life, um, from, from adultery to divorce to lying to, to praying to giving to lust to anger to everything. I mean, everything that you could think of was, was here in this message. And then at the end of it, he, he starts to talk a little bit about obedience, but he doesn't use fear, and he doesn't use just submit or die. He doesn't even talk about hell at this moment. And he's, he's really, and even in this moment, truthfully, he's not even really talking about salvation. He's just talking about obedience. And this was Jesus's take on obedience. He says this, he says, everyone then who hears these words, all of the words that he just said, all of the things that exist in the Bible, all of the rules, the commands, the decrees, and there's a lot of wisdom that may not be commands, but they're really wise suggestions. So you've got all of those in the, he says, all of these words, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. So this is Jesus's take on obedience. He says, I want you to understand. So here's a list, here's a thing, list of all of these things that, that I think about. Here's what I think about anger. Here's what I think about lust. Here's what I think about lying. Here's what I think about honesty. Here's what I think about finances. Here's what I think about flesh. Here's what I think about divorce. Here's what I think about adultery. Here's what I think about all of these things. And he gets down to it and he says, listen, if, if you hear my words and you take my words and you obey my words or you do my words or you apply them to your life, you actually apply them to your life, he says, you're going to be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. So I want to explain something about building a house on a rock. How many people know that you should build your house on a strong foundation? I just want to, just show of hands. Okay, how many of you were just utterly surprised at what I just said? How many of you heard you should build your house on a good foundation and go, oh man, no way, let me write that down. Why, 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 are, why, did nobody, why did nobody get surprised at that and write that down? Because it's what? It's common sense, right? Nobody who's building a house goes, all right, let me find the deepest mud and sand that I can find and let me spend a million dollars building the house of my dreams on this mud and sand. Nobody, dumb or intelligent, thinks like that. So what's Jesus saying, really? I mean, what's his real point? Listen, you're going to be like a wise man who builds his house. You're going to be like a wise man. You're going to be intelligent. You're going to be smart. You're going to have common sense. This isn't craziness. 
This whole, this whole series is about faith. It's about big faith. It's about living by faith. And he says, you hear my words and you apply my words to your life, you're going to be like a wise man who sees and does something that is incredibly common, that is incredibly normal, that is so easy to understand. Nobody debates, nobody goes and thinks, you know what, should I build my house on a good foundation or should I build my house on sinking and shifting sand? What should I do? Nobody thinks like that. So Jesus was saying, listen, if you hear my words, this is how easy it is. This is how common it is. Common sense will tell you that if you hear my words and you obey them, then good things are going to happen in your life. So this is what he says. He says, everyone, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them or hear these words of mine and obeys them or hear these words of mine and applies them to their life will be like a wise man, will be intelligent, will be smart, will make a good decision just like a man who builds his house on the rock. So that's what he says about obedience. And then he goes on to say this. He says, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. So then he says, listen, everyone that hears my words, everyone that hears my teachings, everyone that hears my principles and then applies them to their life, not just hears them, goes, oh, that's a good idea, and then walks away and does nothing, but that actually applies them to their life. He says, those are like wise men who build their house on rock. He says, and then when the rain comes, Not if the rain comes, when the rain comes and the floods come and the winds blow and they beat down on the house, they will not fall because they are founded on the rock or they are founded on my teachings. They are founded on my, it becomes my, when you make Jesus Christ the foundation of your life, it becomes his responsibility to protect you from the storms of life. And he says, that's what, that's what this is. When they hear me and you hear my words and you hear my teachings and you hear my principles and you apply them to my life, not hear them, take notes and then go out and make no changes. But when you hear them and you actually apply them to your life, when the storms of life come, nothing's going to happen. It's not going to fall. And then he goes on to say this. He says, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So he says, in direct contrast of the wise man, if you hear my words, if you hear my teachings, if you hear my principles, whether you're following Christ or or you believe in Christ, you put your faith in Christ, no matter where you are, if you hear my words and you don't apply them to your life, You're going to be like a foolish man who builds the house on sand. So let's just recap real fast. Make sure nobody's missing anything. You hear my words, you apply them. Hear my words, you obey them. You're like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. If you're a foolish man, you hear my teaching, you don't apply them to my life. You don't apply them to your life. You hear my principles, you don't obey You hear my words. You don't make any changes in your life. You are going to be like a foolish man who goes and invests his house and invests his time and invests his money and his resources to build a house on sand that when the storms come and the rain falls and the floods come and the winds blow and beat against the house and it fell. Listen, this is my favorite part about this. It didn't just fall. What did it do? It says, great was the fall of it. So Jesus makes this ginormous comparison. And if you grew up in church, you've heard this, but I want you to go back. I want you to think about this. I'm explaining it again as simply as I possibly can. Jesus says, listen, 
It comes down to this right here and this right here alone. Those of you who hear my words and apply them to your life, actually apply them to your life, you're going to be like a wise man who builds his house on a strong foundation. And if you hear my words and you don't apply them or you directly disobey them, you're going to be like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. And when the storms come, the one that's built on the rock will still be standing. And when the storms come, the one that's on the shifting sand won't just fall, but the fall will be great. That's what Jesus says about obedience. He doesn't mention hell. doesn't talk about punishment. doesn't talk about all these things. He just says, listen, I want you to understand something. I want you to understand something about obedience. It's very simple. It's very easy. There's no tricks. There's no hidden. There's no mystery. I'm going to give you life, and I'm going to give you death, and all you have to do is choose which one you want. There's no mystery. There's no secret. There's nothing crazy. It's not algebra or geometry or science or anything else that makes zero sense to me. It's just two plus two equals four. If you hear me and obey me, you'll choose life. If you hear me and you disobey me, you will choose death. And when the storms of life come against you, your house will fall or it will stand. Simple. Right? Right? You guys ready to go? You're like, man, that was quick. We can even beat the Methodist to the church today. Get to those restaurants. Talked to, talk to Jeff the other day at the Methodist church. And uh, I told him, I, I saw him down. They were all at Showmars. And uh, I went in and he said, he goes, yeah, he goes, we, you, guys are starting to, uh, you guys are starting to beat us down to the restaurant. So we had to adjust our times, get out earlier so we could get down there. I was like, oh, that was a funny joke. And he was looking at me. I'm dead serious. <laughs> Still not sure if he was playing or not. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I just thought that, was, thought that was fun. Well, the message isn't over. Because it's such a simple, beautiful thing. So I just want to go back. Three things I want to talk about real fast about obedience. Obedience will always lead to practical changes in your life. Obedience will always lead to practical changes in your life. Let me say it like this. Disobedience, let me say it like this, and this is not as offensive. You will never have practical changes in your life without obedience. There's a lot of things that you struggle with. There's a lot of things that, that, that you pray about. There's a lot of things that you deal with. There's a lot of the same repeating things that you deal with. There's a lot of things that you want God to kind of take away. There's a lot of prayers that you want God to answer. There's a lot of things that you struggle with in this life, and a lot of them are not because the devil's a big bad devil. And they're not because God's not hearing or answering your prayers. A lot of it is because God has answered your prayers and he's waiting on you to bring it into the fold of your life. He's waiting on you to turn your finances over and be obedient within your finances. He's waiting on you to take your marriage and turn it into God and submit it and be obedient in your marriage and in the way that you handle your marital affairs and the way that you treat your spouse. A lot of times he makes it very clear. He's waiting on us. If we really want guidance and we really want direction, he's waiting on us to submit to the last thing he told us to do. 
instead of giving us the next step when we didn't even do the first step. There's a lot of things in our lives that God puts before us, and it's not because the devil is bad or because God isn't good. It's simply because he set a choice before you. He said to obey him, and you chose not to obey him, and now you're dealing with the consequences, and it doesn't matter how much you pray or how much you whine or how much you cry about these things in your life when they are coming from direct disobedience of God's word. God is not going to answer your prayer. He answered your prayer by giving you the right way, and he's waiting on you to make that change in your life. And when you honor God by simply obeying what he told you to do, he will honor you right back by giving you the fulfillment of his promises. And see, it's not a, it's not a complex subject. It's not something that's difficult to understand. It's something that is one of the most simplest things in the entire world to understand. Jesus says, here are a bunch of truth. Here is a bunch of principles. Here is a bunch of ways and thoughts of mind. All you have to do is take them and apply them to your life. Every day you have an opportunity to choose life or you have an opportunity to choose death. Choose life, but don't choose death and then whine and cry and complain about it. When you get exactly what you deserve. God says, it's that simple. Because here's the truth. The storms of life are going to come against your life. And there's so much, and I'm telling you, there's so much in my life. And I'm not preaching at you nearly as much as I'm preaching at myself. Because I remember early on, especially early on, there were so many things that I struggled with and so many things. And I would pray, God, why does this keep happening to me? Why does this keep happening to me? Why does this keep happening to me? It's because of the decisions that I was making. He was very clear about some things, and I was disobeying him and then wondering why I was suffering with the consequences. And God says, listen, I'm telling you right now in this moment, all you have to do is obey me. All you have to do is obey me. Now you're saying... Are you saying that God won't love me? Absolutely not. This isn't about God loving us. God will always love us through anything that we do. God's going to forsake me and leave me? No. There's nothing you can do in this life that will make God forsake you or leave you or stop loving you. This is not about that. This is about your life today. God says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will always love you. But just like any parent that truly loves his children, I have to discipline you. And sometimes, sometimes, I can tell you over and over and over again, don't touch the burner. Sometimes I just got to step back and let you touch the burner. Because next time, you'll stay the heck away from that burner. Got a scar and proof that that works. Without obedience in your life, you will never see the practical changes that you pray so much about. God says, here it is. Obey me. It's that simple. Number two, obedience will lead to a life pleasing to God. This is something that has been huge for me lately. I'm not going to get all into it, but I, I preached about this a few months back. I know nobody remembers, but I do. And it was about Saul 
and a conversation that he had with, with God, and God said, hey, I need you to go do this. Saul went and not, he didn't do it. He disobeyed God, and then when God sent the prophet to confront Saul, Saul said, well, I was going to use, you know, he disobeyed. He was supposed to kill all the animals and, and destroy this evil society completely, and he didn't. He kept all the best sheep and all the best uh, cows and oxen or whatever other animals were there that day, and, and he kept them all, and he said, well, I was going to bring them to the, to the, to the altar and, and, and give them to God. He wasn't. He was lying, but he was saying, I was going to Use them for worship, and then God made a statement. He said, listen, he said, I value your obedience far more than I value your sacrifice. And he says, so in today's age, I value you obeying me day to day than you coming in and lifting your hands and worshiping me on Sunday while living a life of disobedience during the week. That's not, I value your obedience far more than I value your sacrifice. And this is something that's huge for me because it's impossible. You think it's impossible to really please God without obedience in your life. Because God says, listen, I've given you the right ways. It's what righteousness. I've given you the right ways. I've given you the wise ways. I've given you, I've given you the right thoughts. I've given you the things. I've, and all you got to do is follow. And, and what the Bible says about obedience, do you know why obedience will lead to a life of pleasing God? Because God says from Genesis and Deuteronomy, Exodus, all the way to the prophets, and in the New Testament, Jesus Christ even says word for word, he says, those that love me do what? Those that love me obey my commands. Those that love me obey my commands. It's not about works-based. Those who love me, those who respect me, those who see me as God, they will obey my commands. Obedience will lead to a life pleasing to God. And number three, to reiterate his main point, Obedience will lead to a life that can't be shaken by the storms of this world. At the end of the day, the main point Jesus Christ was trying to make, he says, listen, I want you to understand, and I don't know another way I can say it, if you obey me, you obey my commands, you take my truths, you take my principles, you apply them to my life, it will be like a wise man building a house on a rock. And when the storms of life come against it, it will not falter and it will not fall. That means like this. That means that your life, if you have a life of obedience to Christ, if you have a life of obedience to his principles and obedience to his truths and obedience to his values, that your life is not subjected to what's going on around you. That your life is not subjected to what goes on in the stock market. Your life is not subjected to what's going on in the Middle East. Your life is not subjected to who's in the White House. Your life is not subjected to the politics or the governments of this world. Your life isn't subjected to, to the universities and to the philosophies of the day. Your life, and in no way, shape, or form, is affected by the storms that happen outside of you. He says, listen, it doesn't matter what this broke world does. It doesn't matter what happens. If you obey me and you live a life of obedience to me, that when it comes time to fight the battles, that I will fight the battles for you. And when it comes time to withstand the storms of life and to withstand the division, withstand the economic crisis and to all of the things that we see and we experience, he says, when it comes down, I'm the one that will hold you strong and you will still be there when so many others will fall. All right, it's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. Listen, there's nothing negative about obeying God. I could, have, I could literally list about 20 of these points. Obedience will, obedience will, obedience will, obedience will. And I think that we can sit in here in this room this morning and we know that I don't really have to do that to understand in our hearts and our lives that good things come from obeying God. But the question is, the point is this morning, is if it's so easy and it's so simple, why don't we Obey God. Taylor, you can go ahead and come up here.
please, sir. So last week I do that. But why? Think about it. Why is it so difficult? Why is it so difficult for us to pull our finances in and really honor God with our wealth and our income the way that God instructs us to do? Why is it, why is it so hard? If it's so simple and it's so clear, why is, it so, why is it so hard to take the principles of God and to bring them into our life and to take our, our marriages and to take our relationships and to take our friendships and to take our choices and our job career and to take all this and put it into a place to where we can bring everything into obedience in God? Why is it so difficult for us to do that? And I was thinking about that a lot. I was thinking about that a lot this week. Why is it so difficult? Last week we closed with um, this scripture. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curved with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Now, last week we, we highlighted the word understanding. We talked about the idea of not understanding that God is ultimately in control and that God directs our steps and that, that God is the creator and the great king and that he is always with us and that, that he's the one that's in control and that we're never really in control and, 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 and that we were in the context of guidance last week. That's what we are talking about. And I purposefully left off talking about this last statement because I think that this is even far more important than that misunderstanding. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curved with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. It's interesting to me that, that God didn't say, be not like a horse or a mule without understanding that must be curved with bit and bridle to not disobey you, or, or to not go right when I want you to go left, or to not you know, go forward when I want you to go backwards. It's interesting to me that he said this, that he said, will not stay near you. And will not stay near you. Why is it that we as Christians are so prone to leave the God we love consistently and always as Christians and as believers? We always seem to find something in this world, something in this life that we think is going to please us more. And so here's the, here's the point. I used one of my little dogs last week. I'm using another little of my dog's this week. I have a little puppy dog named Bella. She's like four and seven pounds or something like that. She's really little. I never thought that I would love a little dog. I always made fun of guys who had little dogs. I kind of still do. I don't, I, I don't know. I just do. I love this little dog with all of my heart. No lie. Stepped in front of a vehicle the other week to protect my little puppy dog. I love that dog. Make fun of me all you want. I love little Bella. She is beautiful. Brown hair, brown eyes. No, I'm just kidding. I love her. But here's, little Bella's got an issue. She's got a little problem. Usually when I'm there, this doesn't happen because I'll go real deep and she gets afraid and she stops. But when it's just Courtney hanging out of the house, this has happened. I've never actually, again, I've never actually seen this happen, but I hear Courtney screaming it at me over the phone that it is happening. Sometimes the front door open and Bella will take off out the front door and just be gone. Courtney just, she's screaming at her, come back, come back, no, 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 gone. Got to chase her through the neighborhood and go get little Belle and bring her back. All right, now here's the deal. Belle, I don't know why Bella runs. I really don't know. I don't get it. I don't get why Bella runs. I don't, I don't know if she's just curious or she's just like wants to escape or she's an adventurer at heart. I don't really get it. I don't really know. 
why Bella runs. But if you leave that door open for more than just a few seconds, Bella will just, she's gone. And I'm telling you right now, that neighborhood, as fast as that dog can run, like a gazelle that fast. I mean, she is super fast. There's an inside joke. Everybody you heard laughing, the inside joke about my fast little dog. We'll take off. And there's a genuine risk of Bella leaving and, not, and us not being able to find her. I mean, that's just the truth. And I, I hate that feeling. But here, here's the point is that why does Bella leave? I don't know. I can't answer that question. The same way I can't really ask that question about why we tend to leave God and not want to be near God. Why we tend to disobey rather than to obey. Why we tend to, to go a different direction rather than the one that God wants us to go. But here's one thing that I feel very, very confident of, and I think that this is the point that God was trying to make to us, was that if Bella knew, truly knew what she had in me and Courtney as an owner, she would never run. Because let me tell you something right now, as long as that little dog is my little dog, she will eat the best treats Walmart has. I'm serious. Courtney tries to buy her these cheap little treats. I'm like, no, uh not my Bella. I'm serious. I'm dead serious. As long as Bella is my dog, she will never, ever go thirsty. Not one day in her entire life. She will have water every single day. As long as Bella is my dog, I promise you right now, she will have food every single day of her life. She will never go without food. As long as Bella is my dog, she will have a, a, a comfortable, warm bed to sleep in, even if Courtney needs to go to the other bed and sleep. All right, Bella will have a warm place to sleep. She'll always have a, a roof over her head. She'll always have little toys to play with. She always will. And I'm telling you right now, I'm not, I'm not being dumb. I genuinely stopped and jumped in front of a car to make sure that it didn't hit her, and I would do that again. As long as Bella is my dog and she stays near me, I will do everything in my power to protect her from other dogs or vehicles or mean kids in my neighborhood, Isaiah. <laughs> Whoever it is, whatever it is, I will protect my dog from whatever. She will literally need or want for nothing as long as she stays near me. Hold on, wait, it gets so much better than that. But here's the deal. No matter how much I love her, and no matter how much I want to protect her, and no matter how much I want to make sure that she has the best treats, and no matter how much I want to make sure that she has a comfortable bed and a warm house, no matter how much I want to make sure that, that she has everything that she needs, and no matter how much I want to make sure that she doesn't get hurt or that she doesn't fall in some hole or get hit by a car, no matter how much I want to protect her and to be there for her and to be her owner, when she runs away, she voids it all. No matter how much or how far I would be willing to go when she runs out that door and she takes off and she runs out of my protection and she runs out of my provision and she makes those choices to leave me. There's nothing I can do about it but sit back and wait for her to come back or to go looking for her wherever she is and hope that by the time I get to her that she's still okay. Right. Just like the horse and the mule. Right. The stupid horse and the stupid mule they don't get that the greatest thing in their life is their owner. 
They don't understand that, that if, if they would just stay with their owner, that they would never want for a thing, that they would always have a place to go, always have water to drink, always have food to eat, that there would always, and here's the other thing, that horse, that mule will always have a purpose if you just stay near his owner. And God says, don't be like that. Don't be like an animal without understanding to where I have to put a bridle in your mouth just to get you to stay near me. And so I ask the question again, why do we disobey? When it's so simple and it's so easy, it's not complicated. At the end of the day, why do we disobey? It's because for some, whatever reason, we don't really trust in our hearts or we don't know that God has the ultimate love for us and the best intentions for our lives. That there is no one, not even you, there is no one, not even your spouse, there is no one, not even your parents, there is no one that loves you more or has better intentions for your life than the God who created you. None, nobody, nothing in this world has better intentions or better plans for you than the God who breathed air into your lungs. Nothing, no one. And so when it comes down to that moment and that time when you have that choice to obey or to disobey, do you don't think I still want to disobey? You don't think that there's still some things that I'm attracted to in this world that I know that I don't need to be around? Do you know, do you know that? Do you, do you think that I'm some type of angel that flutters my wings around? No. Anybody that knows me knows that's not me, that I have struggles. But when I come down to those times, those things that I used to disobey and those things that I used to go, what I get down to now, I get down to a place in my life where I say, listen, I want to do this. I want to take the easy way out. You know what I want? It would be easier for me just to lie and avoid conflict rather than to be honest and then engage in conflict. It would be easier for me just to cut a little corners. I'm the king of shortcuts. Just to, If I think I can save 10 seconds by driving over a mountain, I'll do that. I'd do the same thing in life. If I, but when I get down to those moments and I get down to those times to choose, to choose, I say in my heart, I know. I know that God loves me, and I know that he's got the best intentions for me. And right now, my flesh really wants to do this, but I'm not going to do it because I know that he's got the best intentions for me. This is what he says in Jeremiah. He says this about 30 different ways throughout Scripture. This is God talking. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Let me just read that. Just in your life, right? now. I don't know, maybe things are just all great for you, but let me just, for all of us that are normal, let me just read this again. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God says, I want you to know that I created you for a very distinct purpose, and I know what's coming ahead in your life. I know where you're going. I know what you're going to accomplish. I know the beautiful things that I have planned for you. So I am asking you, I am begging you, I am telling you, don't be like the horse without understanding. Stay near me, stay beside me, and I promise you, you will never want for anything. I promise you, no matter what comes your way, what storm comes your way, what tornado, what hurricane, what war breaks out in the Middle East, no matter what happens in this life, no matter what someone says about you or what someone does, to you or no, it doesn't matter what's going on. If you will just stay near me, if you just stay near me, 
I will guide you and lead you and protect you and provide for you and take you exactly where you need to go and do the things that you were put on this earth to do. And if you just stay near me, you will see those things come in your life. But if you leave me and you keep wandering away from me and you walk away from me, your whole life is going to be a repeated pattern of you leaving and me finding you and you leaving and me finding you and you leaving and me finding you. And I love you enough that I will do that until the end of days. But you have a choice and a decision to make as a follower of Christ. You can choose life or you can choose death. And if you choose death, there's nothing I can do about it in this life. I'll never stop loving you. I will never forsake you. I will always be there for you. But you have to choose to stay with me. And remember that I am the one that loves you. I am the one that has plans for you. I'm the one. I'm the designer. So quit making your own choices. And quit leaving me. Stay with me. And for the love of all that is holy. Obey me in the little things. Because if you can't obey me in the little things, you'll never obey me in the big things. And if you can't obey me in the big things, you're going to have a very hard time fulfilling the purpose that I gave you in this life. So here's the point. Sum this up. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care where you are in this life. There's nobody that loves you more than God. Nobody. And I don't care what storms are in your life right now, the one person, the one thing that can save you from the storms of life is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And if there are any area in your life that you know right now in this moment is not in obedient submission to God and his word, then you need to make that practical change starting today, right now, whatever it is. Just make those changes. Just start making those changes. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Just start making those changes. Because I believe that God wants to use each and every single one of you to do something amazing, to do something crazy awesome. But if you can't obey him in the little things and you can't trust that there is no one that loves you more than him, no one that has better intentions than him, and if you can't learn in your life to stay near him, and stop venturing off, then you're going to have a struggle. But Jesus Christ is always right here waiting on you any given day, any given moment. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you. He will always be there for you. Today, choose life, not death. I pray, Lord God, right now that you just let your spirit rest in this room, God. I pray, Lord, right now that you would just move in the hearts and the minds of the people, God. I know that there is all types of uh, situations right now, all types of things going on, Lord. God, I know we got a lot of people out of town. we got a lot of people traveling, God. I know that there's, there's all kinds of things just kind of moving around, the busyness of life, God. But I pray, Lord, right now that you would just move deep into our hearts and deep into our souls this morning, Lord God, and you would just let a peace rest there, maybe a peace that we've never experienced before, God. And I pray, Lord God, right now that as, as people begin to chew on the idea of obeying you, chew on the idea of really, really bringing submission to their life to you, Lord God, that no matter what changes they start to make or no matter what direction that they start to go tomorrow in an effort to do that, that you would just let your spirit be with them and guide them, God. 
And I pray, Lord God, right now, if there are people that are going through the storms of life, Lord God, if there are people going through struggles in their job or struggles in their career or struggles in their marriage or struggles just in life or struggles in raising their children, Lord God, or you've got teenagers who are struggling or people in college who are struggling or if you've got pastors who are struggling, if you just, whatever storms of life are amongst us right now, Lord God, that you will let your peace rest in our hearts, God, right now. And I pray, Lord God, we believe, God, we believe that you meant what you said, that when we submit ourselves to you, God, and we begin to, to obey you and we begin to come to you and we stay near you, Lord God, that you will be our foundation, that you will be our protection and that you will never let us fall. I pray, Lord God, right now for all of those people, all of those marriages and all of those situations, Lord God, that you will be God and that you will move in ways that we can't imagine. I thank you, Father, for all you've done. I pray, Lord, as we turn to you in worship, let your spirit be with us. In your holy name.